Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or whenever you may be listening. Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. We're right in the middle of our series entitled Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, in which we explore the modern-day themes and connections found within the Heidelberg Catechism. My name is Vinny Hankey, and once again, I'm here with Jeff Ludington, the lead pastor of Generations Church. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. How are you hey, doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm excited. We are well now into the gratitude section. So guilt, grace, I'm sorry, the grace section. So we're, we're doing this series called Guilt, Grace, Gratitude, right? What is our problem? Guilt. How are we guilty, deeply depraved in sin and in need of a Savior? Grace is what has God done about this? Right? And then gratitude, we'll get to how do we live in this. Today, we have four questions. It's Lord's Day 6, so the sixth week of the study begins on a Sunday and, and, and unpacks over the week. We're doing this as a father would disciple his son or a man disciple another man. And so I'm reading the questions. Pastor Vinny is giving the answers. It's a catechism. These are to be memorized. We memorize the question. We memorize the answer. So we are learning the truth. All of this is subjected to Scripture. And so we're going to talk a lot about Scripture and, and how that applies to this. But really, today's got four questions to it. We're going to do two uh, the, together, then we'll do the next one, and, and the close of the fourth one. But these really answer, or, or these are really generated from the last podcast, where the answer, when talking about what kind of mediator and deliverer should we look for then, and the answer was one who is truly human, truly righteous, yet more powerful than all creatures, that is, one who is also truly God. So that answer is going to be unpacked in new questions today. So imagine you're the parent of a young child, and that young child, when you, you know, hey, why is the sky blue? Well, why is this? Why is that? It's, it's that constant, once you get an answer, it's unpacking it further. And so that's what we're doing today. We're taking the answer from last time, and we're unpacking it further. So I'm going to lead off with questions 16 and 17. I'll ask the questions. Pastor Vinny's going to give us the answers. So here's 16. Why must he be truly human and truly righteous? Answer. God's justice demands that human nature, which has sinned, must pay for its sin. But a sinner could never pay for others. Question 17. Why must he also be true God? Answer. So that, by the power of his divinity, he might bear the weight of God's anger in his humanity and earn for us and restore to us righteousness and life. That's powerful. It is. And so we're getting at the identity and the requirements of our mediator, right? The one who's going to stand yeah. and reconcile us. And the catechism gives us two requirements, at least, that he must be uh, human and righteous and also God. So why, Jeff, why, why does God's justice demand both a human nature and then also a righteous divine nature? That's great. And, and again, so if you, if you only knew what we had talked about, right, if you didn't know uh, any more about the gospel, uh, you would have come to have known that, our, that we have true joy and comfort in our faith. And, and in order to have that true joy, comfort, faith, peace in this life, that we must know how deep our guilt is, Right, how great the grace of God is in our salvation, and then how we're to respond. That if we were, if we were to look at those things, then we've spent time drilling down on how deep the debt of sin is, how deep the hole is we dig. 
And, and I love that part of the catechism that says, no, I, I can't fix my own sin. I only add sin. I, I can't be the penalty for my own sin. I only add sin. I can't fix the problem. I only add problem to problem to problem. So we need a mediator. We need someone else to stand in between us and God. We, a sinful people, need a mediator to stand between a holy and righteous God and us. And that, that cannot be ourselves. It cannot be another creature. It must be a human being. And so why is because it's a human problem. But he also must be true God. How do we, how do we reconcile the idea of fully human and fully God? And I know that we're going to answer who this person is, but if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you know the answer already. But there's this idea that a human must pay for a human problem. But then I get asked this question as a pastor, well, how can the death of one man cover the sin of millions, if not billions of people, right? All those people, past, present, and future, who will ever believe and have faith through Jesus Christ, how does the death of one man cover all of that? And if you remember in an earlier podcast, I said sometimes the problem is in our question, not in the answer. And the problem here is in the question. It's not just the death of one man. It's the death of God in flesh. And so I think that changes the math, having a divine uh, human, fully God, fully human. And and let's just admit right now, just Pastor Vinny and I, we've, we've studied through this, we... Uh, have spent, we've got our lives to teaching the Bible and doing that, but let's just admit, fully God and fully human, there's a bit of mystery to that. There's a bit of, we don't understand fully how God did that. And, and, and in order to understand it, we'd have to be God. Is that, is that fair? Absolutely. Yeah, it's one of the things, the, the beautiful part of, of what believing in Christ requires of us is a faith in a mediator that we don't completely understand but that has a divine nature. If I could completely understand it, then it becomes something small and tangible that I can take hold of. But the God in his divine nature is bigger than that. He supplies, uh, he requires the need according to his justice, but then also meets the need according to his mercy in and through the mediator, who is 100% righteous and 100% human at the same time. Hmm. Uh, Bible nerds, theologians call that the hypostatic union of Christ that Christ is 100% human and 100% divine. Not 50-50, but 100% human and 100% divine. So Jesus, our mediator, and I know I just gave the answer to the next question, but I, I can't, can't not include Jesus, right? So our mediator, our Savior, must be fully human. He, and, and I'd say there's more to this. It, he must be fully tempted as we are tempted, but not fail. So Jesus had to walk in this flesh, do it without sin, He had to get all the way to the cross and then bear the pain in a human body. But no human can do that. So he had to be fully God. I love that line. But that by the power of his divinity, he might bear the weight of God's anger in his humanity. So it is more than a human can bear. But a human must bear this. And so again, there's this this push and pull, this thing that is, is still a bit of a mystery for us but is being spelled out to us. So question 18 says this, and who is this mediator? True God and at the same time, truly human and truly righteous. Answer 18, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us to set us completely free and to make us right with God. Well, if we've been listening up until now, Lord's Day 6, we're six weeks into this, and it has been incredibly challenging to not include 
Jesus, the name of Jesus, our Savior, our God, our, our mediator. Because we've been trying to stay just to the question, well, how must this mediator be truly human? How must he be truly God? But now we finally just say, who is this mediator? Who is truly God and at the same time truly human and truly righteous? And again, you can insert sinless, perfect, holy in there. It's Jesus. Now listen to this answer. It's Jesus who was given us to set us completely free and to make us right with God. In this, I think the beauty of the gospel is not that we are just forgiven, uh, but that we are made right with God, that we are sons and daughters of God again. We're not these rejected beings that are sinful that now we just forget or act like the sin never happened, but we're actually reconciled to God our Father. Vinny, you're a dad. Uh, you're, you, uh, you, have a do- you have two daughters and a son. Um, consider uh, how, how is it different when you just forgive your children or are reconciled to your children? Yeah, I talk about um, kind of reconciliation as being the restoration the restoration of right relationship hmm. um, versus resolvement. Um, resolvement and means the conflict is over. Mm-hmm. The two parties might go separate ways. They're no longer at war with one another, but they're certainly not in right relationship mm-hmm. together. When a conflict is truly reconciled, not only is there resolvement, that is, there's peace, but now the two are in full relationship, full mm-hmm. fellowship once, once again. And so in the midst of, like, fatherhood watching my kids i've tried to instill this into them that they can look to christ as their mediator even when they're sinned against by one of their siblings so that they can find not only peace with that sibling but also they can be restored back to relationship imagine you know if we just lived a life or if jesus just accomplished the resolvement of our conflict with god we'd be living in eternity with god but no no relationship well uh, on opposite sides of the house right right exactly yeah <laughs> exactly opposite side of the house right no talking no fellowship no laughter no joy just no conflict jesus accomplishes full reconciliation between us and the father so we laugh about that but you know i, I even as i said it uh, what i consider is um, how many times as pastors have we uh, had an appointment we have a couple come in they're married and really, functionally, what they're doing is they're living on opposite ends of the house, right? Yep. yep. There's sin in the midst of things. There's problems. And, and, but there's no relationship, right? What was once, you know, maybe it was uh, built on a physical relationship that couldn't sustain, you know, time of being married or, you know, kids or, you know, problems or health or right. whatever, time. right? Time. Yeah, right. right? And so, you know, they, they grow apart, and though they remain married, they're, they're, it's, it's as if they're roommates almost. You know, there's, there's, there's no love left. There's no relationship left. And we see this commonly. And, it doesn't, and the way I just said it makes it sound like they're in their 70s. But, I mean, this happens, you know, a year, two years, three years in a marriage, right? Yeah. Sin comes in and divides. And, yeah, maybe we've gotten over the sin, but we haven't restored the relationship. Yep. I think that's where too many people settle in their faith. Yeah. I, I think that... That people want to be forgiven of what's wrong. Right. Right? Okay, so I did this, and I want to assuage my guilt. I want to know that I'm not going to be held accountable forever for that. But I think sometimes either they they settle there, and they just don't seek out that right relationship with God. Yeah, that's... Oh, they don't like can, maybe. Right, or it's almost like they take satisfaction knowing, okay, God's no longer angry with me. 
but they don't come full circle and understand that, no, no, not only is God no longer angry, but, but God actually loves me and takes joy in me as, yeah. his, as, as his child now adopted in. And so they, again, they, they, God's, they recognize that God's anger has to be pacified, but that's where they leave it not taking full hold of the relationship and the blessings that Jesus has secured. I mean, listen to the answer again. Jesus Christ, who was given to us to set us completely free and to make us right with God. Yeah, I think there's a a common theme of modern-day deism, right? So a a deist uh, is someone who believes in a divine entity, believes in God. We'll just use Christian language, right? A deist is someone who believes that there is a God, and believes that that God exists, maybe the God created life and humanity and the world and whatever, but really doesn't, uh, doesn't see God intervening in humanity and, and intervening in life. And, and this is the exact opposite. This is a relational uh, father-to-children kind of relationship, loving God, right? Now, we've answered some of the hard questions. How can a, a loving God also be just? You know, how can, yeah. how can God, you know, punish someone for sin. We've, we've answered some of the hard ones, but now this is, can God really love me? Can right. God really be a part of every day of my life? And this answer is yes. Yeah, right? through, the media, yeah through the mediator, Jesus Christ. Right. Yes, but through Jesus, right? Only yep. through Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? No man comes to the Father but by me, yep. right? So yes, we can, but there is a way, Jesus says, I am the way, right? That's the, the article, the, you know, the, the, this is the way, the only way, right. right? The way, the truth, and the life. I am the truth, right? Not one subjective truth or one truth of many, but I am the truth. I'm the life. Like, I am the only way you can be in right relationship with the God of the universe. Yep. To set us completely free and make us right with God. I think too many people out there see themselves defined either by their sin or the sins even committed against them, right? right? They're defined by what others have done to them. You know, they were molested, they were abused, they were abandoned, right? So, you know, they see God in that sense, like God is there to punish me if I do something wrong or God will abandon me if I do something wrong. Or I have been so sinful, how could God love me? You know, I have done this or I have done that. It's funny, if you're listening to this, I would say this, it is not the people that have, you know, done great big sins, you know, committed murder, done this. It's not those people that think, oh, how could God love me? I've been so sinful. It's, it, it is everyday human beings that buy into the lie that their sin is so great that God could never love them. It's average human beings, not crazy extreme circumstances. Right. Yeah. So the final question in this, in this week's catechism, Lord's Day 6, is question 19. And the question is this, how do you come to know this? The answer, the Holy Gospel tells me, God himself began to reveal the gospel already in paradise. Later he proclaimed it by the holy patriarchs and prophets and portrayed it by the sacrifices and other ceremonies of the law. Finally, he fulfilled it through his own dear son. This is a great, how do you know your way is the right way? Right. Right? Well, everybody's got an answer. You know, if it's Buddhism or if it's, you know, Confucianism or, you know, pluralism or whatever it might be, everybody has an answer to this. Now, how do you know your way is right? And I love this answer. The Holy Gospel tells me God himself began to proclaim this message back in the garden, right? The first telling of the gospel is God proclaiming the gospel in the garden, 
Right? We looked at that a, a few podcasts ago, but where God promises that though the serpent will bruise the heel of Jesus, Jesus will crush the head of the serpent. So imagine this, thousands of years ago, God preaches this message that Jesus will cover sin. And then throughout history, it says, by the holy patriarchs and prophets, so in other words, through Moses, through Abraham, through Jacob, through Isaiah, through Jeremiah, through, you know, all the, all the, the characters, the, the figures throughout history that have written down this message, they have proclaimed the same message, that God will one day intervene, he will pay the penalty for sin, he will reconcile a people to himself. You fast forward to the New Testament, now Jesus comes, John the Baptist points the way to him, Jesus portrays the same message, the disciples become apostles, one who are sent with that same message, and the world today is transformed because of that message. This same message has been proclaimed for thousands and thousands of years. How do we know? I, I love, I, I love the, the, the truth of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And it, it just briefly, we're in the book of Isaiah on Sundays here. We're teaching through Isaiah. Pastor Vinny and I have been covering that. And Isaiah was written about 800, 750, 800 years before Jesus was born. And it portrays the crucifixion in Isaiah 52 and 53 uh, incredibly detailed. It, it prophesies the virgin birth. It prophesies a lot of things about Jesus, things that are so clear that humanity in the 20th century, so in the last century, in the, two, in the 1900s, human beings began to just figure out, okay, well, you know what? There's no way God could have done this. There's no way that was written 800 years before Jesus was born. There's no way this was written centuries before it actually happened. It's too detailed. And so they wrote off Isaiah as if it were written after Jesus was born. Ah, but then in the middle of the 20th century, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, the Qumran tablets, and an entire uh, collection of the writings of Isaiah, an entire book of Isaiah, if you will, was found that had been buried for hundreds of years before Christ was even born. So the truth of the gospel, again, shows through that God has been preaching a message, that God has preserved a message that Jesus would reconcile us to him. How do you... How do you know that it's true in your life as well, Vinny? Yeah, I think the, the confidence that I have is the testimony of the transformation that mm. I really have been freed uh, from the guilt of sin, both internally from the guilt and shame, but also um, externally in the ability to refrain from sinning because I've been, as we've heard in our answers today, been given complete freedom in Christ mm. now to be right with God. And so I think... For me, I, I see the, te the testimony of God's work in my own life, and then ultimately in the lives of the church through the centuries. You know, I think the catechism in and of itself testifies to the truthfulness of the gospel. We're dealing yeah. with a document 500 years old that is laying down truth that applies right to today. Yeah. How does that exist if not for God and the power of the gospel? You know, we chose the name Generations for this church, uh, and the idea behind that was that we stand on the shoulders of the generations before us. And then we form that link in the chain where it's our job to reach out to the next generation to teach them how to glorify God. And our hopes for the next generation is that they glorify God better than we did, that they do a better job than we did. And so we just stand as a link in the chain and a part of history, a piece of the puzzle, just like the Heidelberg Catechism, reaching back to our roots, understanding truth that never changes. The gospel proclaimed from the beginning is the gospel today.
For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church. G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at Gin Family Church.